0: have you ever been startled and terrified when i was young my parents would send me to mexico to visit my aunts and uncles for about a week at a time and uh, my aunts my uncles they all live close to, uh, close together so i would get to spend a, ta- a lot of time with my cousins and it was nice because this was before tvs and um, video games became a, a common household item so when i would go visit my cousins and my aunts and uncles we would literally spend all day doing one of four things we would either be playing soccer outside. We'd be uh, going to my aunt's house and playing music together. Almost all of us either play an instrument or sing. Um, we would also be taking naps in the middle of the day because we had long days, late nights. And uh, this one, would, the fourth one, would manifest itself in different ways, but we would be getting into trouble. So <laughs> soccer, playing music, taking naps, and getting into trouble. Now, the getting into trouble part, I wanna clarify this because it wasn't necessarily that we were doing something bad. It was just that we were doing something we weren't supposed to be doing. So let me give you an example. One night around midnight, we decided to break into my uncle's abandoned psych ward. That's probably not what you expected me to say, is it? see my great uncle was one of the first psychiatrists in northern mexico to have a, a psych ward where he treated patients the, even the hospitals at the time didn't have psych wards, so they couldn't treat patients but my uncle um, he didn't have just a clinic he had this whole psych ward where he did that and so uh, he did this for many 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 years he became really popular he eventually. Um, built a contract with the local hospital so that they would send patients to him. But then eventually one day the, the hospital started doing their own psych units and their own psych wards. And uh, he, he um, stopped practicing his, his uh, medicine. And so um, he, he had a long career. But by the time I got older and I started visiting Mexico and spending time with my family there, he had been retired for a long time. And even though they still owned the property and the building, the building really just sat vacant for a long time well one day one of my cousins found uh his parents set of keys for the psych ward and we decided that we were going to wait until midnight and break in and just explore see the whole psych ward at night with nothing but flashlights now look i'll be honest going into that psych ward uh seemed more terrifying than walking into a haunted house because at least at the haunted house i know that everything is fake but in the psych ward, I knew everything was real and I heard stories about some of the patients they had treated and and a lot of legends I'll put as well. Well, at first, it wasn't that bad. We, we explored the lower level for, for about an hour and, um, you know, the lower level was the check in area and was a common area. And so there, it wasn't really that bad. But after about an hour, we decided to go upstairs and that's when things took a turn. So let me give you a little bit of the layout. So you would go upstairs and to the right was uh, the side for men and the left was the side for women and there was a little common area in the middle. And so we're going up the stairs and and, and when we got to the top of the stairs, I made a big mistake. What I should have done was uh, continue pointing my flashlight in the same direction as everybody else, which was forward. But we got to the top and I got a little intrigued and I pointed my flashlight to my left and that I'll be honest, that's the moment when I lost all of my courage. You see, uh, at at the top of the stairs, you turn left and you can see all the way to the end of the hall. And when I flashed my flashlight over there, it looked, uh, I saw what looked like a floating skull floating or moving towards me. And I I immediately froze. I mean, I think I was in like middle school. I froze. I started to panic in that moment. And my cousins must have noticed that as well because they quickly grabbed me and they shook me. and like, Fernie, what's wrong? But when I was finally able to speak, I I looked at them and I said, well, uh, there's, there's a school at the end of the hallway. Do you not see it? They looked at me with a sense of disappointment. And they said, Fernie, that's just a toilet paper holder. Now, before you judge me or, or think that I'm a scaredy cat, have you ever seen those old round uh, toilet paper holders? They're like round and they have uh, a hole for two different toilet papers on the side and you kind of pull the, paper to- uh, the, the toilet paper from the bottom? Well, uh, those, when they're white, in the middle of a psych ward at midnight with a heart rate uh, racing so fast and nothing but a flashlight, they look like skulls floating towards you, believe it or not. Uh, Don't give it a try, just trust me on that one. Well, um, you know, what's funny about that night was that fear and doubt um, rose up within me instantly, right? There was the fear of this floating skull moving towards me. And then after my cousins told me what it was, I doubted that they were right. And so we had to make our way all the way up to the end of the hallway into the bathroom to see that it was genuinely just a, paper, a toilet paper holder. It's interesting though, how fear and doubt can coexist, isn't it? You know, I wonder if that's how the disciples felt after Jesus appeared to them in the Gospel of Luke. I want you to listen to this text It's from Luke chapter 24. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your heart? Look at my hands and my feet, see that it is I myself. Touch and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering. He said to them, Have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of boiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Now, I want you to picture what's happening here. They're sitting in this room uh, talking about how there were rumors that Jesus had risen from the dead. And uh, all of a sudden, Jesus is right there in front of them. And the Bible tells us that that when Jesus uh, appears, they were startled and terrified. That's what scripture says. They were startled and terrified because they thought they were seeing a ghost. They had fear that Jesus was a ghost. And they had doubt that Jesus was actually risen from the dead. Fear and doubt coexist, don't you think? See, I want you to hear this. Fear and doubt are completely natural human emotions that bubble up quite often inside all of us. And and here's the thing, we can experience fear and doubt at work as we take on a new project. We, We can experience fear and doubt as we await a strong storm that's moving our way. We can experience fear and doubt with friends as we all begin to enter into different life stages. We can even experience uh, fear and doubt when we're at home trying a new DIY project for the first time. See, fear and doubt are completely natural human emotions that can bubble up inside of us at any moment. And my guess is that you have probably felt fear and doubt at some point or another. I know that I have. Now, let's be honest about that. Let's have an honest conversation about fear and doubt doing something with fear and doubt hanging over us it's not fun the thought of failure begins to cross our mind the feeling of incompetency begins to flood our brain and makes us makes us question everything we do sometimes fear and doubt are so big that they make us walk away from things the reality is that fear and doubt Can rob us of so much. Would you agree? I know I do. I think that's why what Jesus does in this text is extremely comforting. And I want us to make sure we pay attention to it. See, Jesus looks at them and says, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Right? And then he goes on to tell them, like, look, look at my wounds, I'm not a ghost. See, what I find so interesting about what Jesus does and says is that Jesus knows uh, two things. One, he knows they're terrified. And two, he knows why they're terrified. He knows that they think you're, he's a ghost, right? I want you to think about that. Without the disciples saying anything, right? The Bible, Scripture tells us that they were they were frightened, uh, but, but it never, uh, and, and they had, they had doubts, but, but they never specifically say that out loud. And somehow, without them saying anything, Jesus knows both that they are afraid and why they are afraid. Look, I want you to hear this. Whatever you are afraid of right now, whatever doubts you carry, Jesus knows exactly what they are and why you feel that way. Let me say that again. Whatever fear you have, whatever doubts you carry, Jesus knows exactly what they are and why you feel that way. You see, that new promotion at work, the possibility of trying something new, starting a new relationship, moving across town or to a whole new city. Maybe you're afraid to have a difficult conversation at work or with friends or with a loved one. Uh, Maybe you're afraid or, or have doubts about letting go of someone or something. I want you to hear this. Whatever it is, Jesus knows exactly, exactly what you are feeling and why you are feeling that way but here's the the positive thing in all this jesus doesn't just want us to know that he knows those things jesus wants us to to move beyond that here's how i know this jesus says this look at my hands and my feet see that it is i myself touch me and see for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. See, after Jesus acknowledges how the disciples feel and why they feel that way, he invites the disciples to touch him. And in so doing, he invites them to move beyond those fears and those doubts. See, their fear told them that Jesus was a ghost. Their doubt told them that it was impossible for Jesus to be standing in front of them because after all, they had seen him die on that cross and be laid in that empty tomb. But by inviting them to touch him, by inviting them to to see that he is flesh and bones, by inviting them closer to him, Jesus is helping the disciples overcome their fears and their doubts. See, the first thing they have to do to get past, to to overcome their fears and their doubts is to get closer to Jesus. Friends, if we are going to overcome, if you and I are going to overcome our fears and our doubts, the first thing we have to do is we have to get closer to Jesus. See, we have to be intentional about our prayer time. We have to gather and worship a lot more often. We have to practice acts of mercy in our community. We have to even abstain from things that pull us away from Jesus. If we are to overcome our fears and our doubts, then we have to get closer to Jesus. Here's the second thing this text teaches us about getting past and overcoming our fears and our doubts. It says that uh, after Jesus said this for, uh, to them, they gathered uh, um, They gathered with each other, um, to eat fish, right? So they gathered. the disciples gathered with other believers who were also struggling with the same fears and doubts. Let me explain that. The Bible says that they started to, um, that Jesus asked for fish and then they sat and they ate fish together, right? And uh, I know this sounds weird, but can you imagine for a second the conversations that might have happened at that dinner table? I mean, think about this. Jesus shows up, they have fears and they have doubts uh, uh, in that moment. And Jesus says, come closer, touch, touch my skin, I'm real, right? That, that happens, and then they sit down and they have a meal. Can you imagine the questions and the conversations that might've taken place at that dinner table, uh, at, at that meal? I mean, I can just imagine somebody looking at Jesus and saying, so uh, what exactly happened back there, Jesus? Maybe, Jesus, how how are you even alive? I I can picture one of the disciples maybe saying, so Jesus, what happens next? (laughs) Maybe there's even one who says, Jesus, did it hurt? (laughs) Can you imagine the conversations happening at that table? All their fears, all their doubts, an opportunity to ask questions revolving around those fears and those doubts. I can just imagine it was an awesome moment. See, whatever questions they asked, I can imagine that as they gathered together around that table, eating this broiled fish, their fears and their doubts began to subside because of the conversations that were taking place. See, friends, we too have to gather with each other, and we have to ask difficult, vulnerable questions about our fears and our doubts. And I truly believe that in doing so, we take another step, in overcoming our fears and our doubts. So we have to draw closer to Jesus. We also have to be, uh, uh, have conversations and ask questions about our fears and our doubts uh, with other people. And here's a third thing that I think the scripture teaches us to overcome um, our fears and our doubts it says, um, the disciples begin to understand the scriptures. I want you to listen to to how uh, the the scripture says this. It says, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. See, I believe that if we we want to overcome our fears and our doubts, we not only have to uh, draw closer to Jesus, We not only have to gather with others and ask questions and be vulnerable, we also have to dive deeper into our Bibles. And and look, our Bibles, they they may not make a lot of sense at first. I know it didn't for me, and and I get the sense that it didn't for the disciples either. But they kept wrestling with the scriptures, right? And my guess is that some of the questions they asked of uh, Jesus as they were eating uh, had to deal with with the scriptures that they had been taught and the scriptures they knew. And I know this because it says, uh, the scripture says that, it says, uh, I'm teaching you about what it says in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And essentially that's the whole Old Testament, pretty close to the whole Old Testament, right? And so um, we get this sense that eventually, as they're talking, as they're having these questions, uh, they dove into their scriptures long enough and deep enough throughout their lives that eventually a light bulb went off and they understood what Jesus had been talking about. All of a sudden, uh, after years of, of, of studying their scriptures and, and being with Jesus and asking all these questions and going closer to Jesus, all of a sudden this light bulb goes off in their head, and they understand what the scriptures mean. See, if we're to overcome our fears and our doubts, we too have to keep digging into our Bibles and into our scriptures. We have to keep interrogating our Bibles. And even if we're struggling to make sense of what we read, we have to keep pressing on. Because uh, I promise you, I promise you that as long as we keep doing that, as long as we keep reading, as long as we keep asking questions, as long as we keep drawing closer to Jesus, eventually a light bulb will go off in our heads too. And what we'll discover is uh, that our fears and our doubts are no match for Jesus and because they're no match for Jesus our fears and our doubts are no match for us see when we dive into our Bibles eventually we will begin to notice and and even understand the good news that we are reading about but it only happens if we're willing to keep going back time and time and time again into our scriptures Friends, I mentioned earlier that fear and doubt are completely natural human emotions that bubble up quite often in many of us. And while I agree with that statement still, I want you to know this. I also know that Jesus doesn't want us to live with fear and doubt over us every single moment. Jesus doesn't want us to live in that. And if you agree with me, then then I have a, a, a suggestion. Maybe, together, we can begin to put these three things into practice. Maybe, together, we can begin to overcome fear and doubt by drawing closer to Jesus together. Maybe, we can begin to overcome our fear and our doubt by, together, asking questions and being vulnerable with one another. And maybe, we can begin to overcome our fears and our doubts together by diving into our scriptures, by understanding our scriptures. And I believe that when we do, friends, we will be able uh, to take steps to overcome our fears and our doubts. Maybe together, we too, like the disciples, can overcome our fears and our doubts. May it be so. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, I give you thanks for who you are. God, you know the fears and the doubts that we carry in our hearts and in our lives, and you know how often those fears and those doubts stop us. God, I pray today. I pray this into our lives, in our communities, in everything that we do. God, help us overcome those fears and those doubts. God, may we draw closer to you. May we be willing to ask difficult and vulnerable questions and have conversations about those fears and those doubts. May we dive into our scriptures. God, I pray that we may come to know that fear and doubt have no power over us. And if we begin to live that way, God, I pray we may experience that freedom in our lives. God, I pray this in your most precious and most glorious name. And all God's people said, Amen.